Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 76ers are bound for the second round and another familiar face awaits. This time, it's the Toronto Raptors. It's going to be a tough, tough test, and you know, the Raptors are a very good team, and they've shown that this year. TJ McConnell weighs in on what the 76ers did in round one and what lies ahead. Plus, we chat with the one and only Mark Zumoff. You know, I feel pretty confident seven games. In order for it to go seven games, I do foresee the Sixers winning a game. I don't know which one, but one of the games in Toronto, I think that's definitely going to happen. The Grit Man. The Zoom Man on this episode of the broadcast. What's going on, 76ers pod people? Hope you are great. Great to be talking with you in advance of another round of playoff coverage here on the podcast. I'm Brian Seltzer. 76ers getting ready for round two versus the Toronto Raptors, the second all-time playoff meeting between these two teams. Last time they did it, in the postseason was, of course, 18 years ago, 2001, an epic second-round series that went seven games that Allen Iverson and the 76ers closed out in South Philadelphia. Sixers, Raptors going seven games this year. Not entirely out of the question. Two teams that figure to be evenly matched and have a lot of momentum based upon what they showed in the first round going into the Eastern Conference semifinals. We're going to talk with T.J. McConnell. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to hear from Mark Zumoff as well. But first, please do hear this. To subscribe to the podcast, if you are not yet already a subscriber, go to any one of your favorite podcast hosting platforms. And from there, it's pretty simple. Type in Sixers Podcast Network, and that will take you to our feed. And magically, new, fresh episodes will begin to appear in your podcasting app. Okay, so we've got the 76ers, the three seed out of the East, against the number two seed, the Toronto Raptors, two teams that have been duking it out for a while as division rivals in the Atlantic. But now, for the second time in the playoffs, they square off. Both teams followed a similar story arc in their respective first-round series. 76ers, of course, dropping game one of the Brooklyn Nets. They then proceeded to rip off four consecutive wins. Toronto Raptors dropped game one to the Orlando Magic towards the buzzer at home. And then the Raptors, too, took four straight wins to move on to the second round. 
In the regular season, 76ers and the Raptors faced off four times. That is by virtue of them being within the same division. And the Raptors took three out of those four meetings. The 76ers won the lone game that Kawhi Leonard did not play in. So that's the history. We know that. We know the Sixers have gone a long while, as we'll talk about in a little bit, not winning at what was Air Canada Center in Toronto, what is now called Scotiabank Arena, tough place to play. Raptors have had good teams. 76ers have gotten better in recent years. So we'll use this as an overarching theme for what we're going to dig into in the podcast. Just how much can we make of what went down in the regular season between the Sixers and the Raptors? Both teams, not just the Sixers, the Raptors as well, underwent significant personnel changes after playing each other for the final time. The last meeting between the Sixers and the Raptors was on February 5th. It was a Toronto Raptors win, but then, coincidentally enough, the very next day was when the Sixers were involved with the trade, the big trade with the L.A. Clippers to bring in Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, Mike Scott. The next day, the Sixers did deals to get Jonathan Simmons, James Ennis III, and right before the deadline passed on February 6th, the Raptors with a blockbuster of their own, trading Jonas Valanciunas, C.J. Miles, DeLon Wright to the Memphis Grizzlies in exchange for a former All-Star and Defensive Player of the Year, Marcus Gasol. Wait a minute. Don't the Raptors already have a player that meets that criteria? Multi-time All-Star, Defensive Player of the Year award winner on the roster? Oh, yeah. That, of course, is Kawhi Leonard, who the Raptors picked up in the offseason. So the roster changed for both the Sixers and the Raptors. Brett Brown, we asked him at practice on Thursday, the first time the 76ers got together getting ready for the Raptors. Just how much do you make of what went down in the regular season? I brought it up once, and you or the players will never hear me mention it again. I think it's so irrelevant. It's, it's just something that, that, that I don't connect the dots with the team that I'm now coaching and the previous history with whatever, you know, record it is or it isn't. And I think where it even gets more abused is when you look at the stage that we were at in our previous years, it's even more not accurately portrayed. One thing that Brett Brown is confident in, the firepower of the 76ers starting five. Even though the sample size, yes, has been small. The Sixers only 14 games to the current starting five. They have gone 11-3 in those games. Very impressive first round for the starters when they played in four out of five games against the Brooklyn Nets. They outscored Brooklyn by 71 points in just 49 minutes together. That is ridiculous. Toronto starters fared well in the first round as well. Tobias Harris thinks the Sixers may shine the brightest going up against stiff competition. In terms of our best basketball, I think the, the better the opponent, the more you'll figure out how, how great of a team we can be and how we come together um, in, in those terms. So I'm not going to say this is our best basketball because I know, you know as a competition, you know, this series is going to be a, a tough series for us, a good team, and I think it's going to bring the best out of us. So I will hope our best basketball will come in the upcoming days. In just his second postseason series ever, Tobias Harris looking very much like the veteran that he is. 17.5 points per game, just under 9 rebounds and 4 assists for Tobias Harris, shooting 49.5% from the field and 10 of 20 from outside the arc in the five-game series win against the Brooklyn Nets. Tobias Harris, a very talented man on the 76ers roster, one of several talented players for the squad. A guy with a ton of talent on the other side in this series, no doubt, 
going to be Kawhi Leonard. He averaged over 30 points per game against the Sixers during the regular season series. Played in three of those games, as we mentioned earlier. Jimmy Butler knows Kawhi Leonard very well. Both are part of the United States men's basketball program. Jimmy Butler knows the Sixers are in for a championship. He's an incredible player on both ends of the floor. Um, he's, he does a lot for their team. Um, I'm not going to say that anybody's intimidated. Jimmy Butler, you got to figure, one of several players the 76ers might use on Kawhi Leonard in this series. Ben Simmons, another option as well. Cannot wait to see how some of these subplots shake out. A guy who is an always important ingredient for the 76ers, none other than T.J. McConnell, bringing terrific intangibles, and as we saw in the 2018 postseason, a guy you can call upon off the bench to provide a major spark. That's what he did in Game 4 against the Boston Celtics. Got a chance to catch up with T.J. earlier this week, and we spoke about the previous series and the one that awaits the 76ers. TJ, I know the focus is business right now, getting ready for round two, but there's got to be a level of excitement here, right? What's the vibes like around the team? Yeah, making it to the Eastern Conference semis two years in a row, sense of accomplishment from where we were. Um, but, you know, we don't want to be satisfied with just making the second round. We want to come out and advance, and the only way to do that is to win on the road and uh, obviously protect your home court, but... We have a good game plan, and we're excited for the challenge. What do you think the team found in the Nets series? It's They're a tough matchup, man. It's it's hard. They've got great guards that can take you one-on-one, and mostly all their players can guard uh, take you one-on-one. So it, it forces you to guard every position. And, you know, we found, we found out a lot about ourselves, you know, how we can respond after a loss in game one. And, the way we locked down defensively into a game plan and make adjustments was uh, pretty remarkable. You certainly have a great connection with the fan base. They love hearing from you. When you're on the bench, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to bring to the team and interact with guys? Yeah, just trying to give them more energy. Um, you know, I feel like a bench unit can spark a team to a run or get guys going um, when it when, when we feel a little flat and. Uh, just trying to get guys going, really. Is that something you pride yourself in, just that constant? Should I call it positivity? What, what is the TJ McConnell mindset? Toughness, a little sarcasm with the motions off the bench? Yeah, How would you describe it? Uh, you obviously want to be out there, but when you see your teammates playing at a high level and, and, and getting wins, um, there's, there's something wrong with you if you're not happy. So um, to give them a good spirit and, and keep them going, um, that's what teammates and, and uh, brothers do. A lot of the outside is like, well, you know, there's been this history with the 76ers and the Raptors. You guys both have two completely different teams pretty much from uh, the regular season. What's the scout on them? How are you looking at them? Um, you know, defensively, they're really strong. and um, We have to limit our turnovers and um, get back in transition. And uh, those are the two main things. It's, it's simple. And, um, it's going to be a tough, tough test, and um, as is every game in the playoffs. But you know, the Raptors are a very good team, and they've shown that um, this year. DJ, thank you. Thank you. Always great perspective from an always good dude, gracious with his time, TJ McConnell. We'll hear from another guy who fits that same description, Mark Zumoff, in a moment. But first... 
I wanted to talk to you about what is coming up in the postseason for the 76ers. We know there's round two, but there's also a way for you to get in to games that are going to be sold out in South Philadelphia at the center. Most immediately for games three and four, your ticket in could be through a 76ers playoff suite rental. It's a perfect way to entertain clients, family, and friends. Suite rentals are now available for all 76ers round two playoff home games. And this is what you get in a suite rental. Tickets, of course. Parking, okay. And a gourmet catering package. Tremendous, right? You got to want to hear more. Well, if you do. Talk to a sales rep by calling 215-339-7676, or you can email representatives who are standing by at a moment's notice any time of day, night, or morning at tickets at 76ers.com. Mark Sumoff, few people know the Sixers and the franchise inside and out as well as he does, and it is a privilege to be able to bring Mark Sumoff on the podcast right now. So I've got these, I'm going to add some Nats. I've got these bevy of sheets in front of me. These are some stats and numbers about the 76ers and Toronto Raptors in the four-game regular season series. Do I just, do I throw these off the table? Do I discard everything? I think like anything else, stats can be meaningful in context. They can also be meaningful as it relates to a bigger picture. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's part of your strategy. I think many coaches will identify it as being part of strategy. I like analytics. Our analytics department is great, led by Alex Rucker, who will explain things to people like me. And uh, to me, it's fascinating that you could take one play and break it down literally dozens of ways as it relates to what happened in that play. Uh, offensively, defensively, situationally, that sort of thing. So uh, I wouldn't throw them away unless, uh, you know, you're uh, beside the fact that I I think some trees were donated for those. So I think uh, you should make good use of that. You know, I am a guy. And then recycle it when you're done. I am a guy, admittedly, with granola and crunchy with a K (laughs) sensibilities. And I am a little bit disappointed in myself that in the year 2019, I've got a stack of like 10 sheets of paper. Um, We're going to talk about the 76ers advancing to the second round to take on another division rival in the Toronto Raptors. But I'll be honest with you. I saw you walking out the other night at the center. It's bittersweet. Mm -hmm. Selfishly. I love going back. I mean, I'm at the games a lot, so I don't get to hear you. But I love going back, listening, watching clips and highlights. Um, And I think there's there's understandable uh, angst in the Internet space about, like, oh, you know, no more Zoo, no more Allah, no more Serena on a game-by-game basis doing the call. Can you explain to the people – why this is. I feel like people just see the end result. Like, how does this all come about? What are the logistics and the protocol behind all of it? First, I think we're blessed to have someone like Tom McGinnis so people can still grab onto a home broadcast through the rest of the playoffs for the 76ers. So that's a great thing. And I'm happy to leave the broadcasting duties in his hands. All of that said, Uh, It's pretty simple. The national networks pay a hefty rights fee for the right to be exclusive from the second round on. And we as local broadcasters have had to adhere to that for at least the last 15, 20 years, I want to say. I do remember back in 2001 when the Sixers made their run to the finals actually doing a couple of conference finals games. So that's as deep as I've ever gone. In terms of my own personal feeling, 
Brian, you know that this is one of the great jobs in America, so I will never complain about it in any form or fashion. I think we're blessed to do what we do, and I will happily say that I did the regular season, which was great, and I got to do a first-round playoff series win, which was great, and now I accede to the networks and let them do that thing they do. But important to note. Let me me just add one other thing. We segue. Right. So, um, and thank you for thinking of that. So we, uh, Serena Winters, who covers the the uh, Sixers on a daily basis for NBC Sports Philadelphia, will continue to be on the case, going to shoot-arounds, going to practices, traveling with the team to Toronto. And I will be there in the studio along with Jim Lionel, Amy Fadul, and Mark Jackson for pregame and postgame, much the way we, the same way we cover the Eagles when the Eagles are on national TV, which they always are, and then you do a pregame show and a postgame show on either side of that, we will be doing the same thing as well. We expect to have a pretty good viewership for that. Plenty of options to seek your teeth into from a local coverage standpoint. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. It must have been a really special 25th year. I mean, these last two seasons, the return to prominence in the NBA, the excitement, um, what were your general takeaways from season number 25, what the 76ers accomplished, and now the path they put themselves on? So we sat pretty patiently through the process, and there were times where any perceived progress came at a glacial clip. <laughs> yes. This year, you had 26 different players play at least one game with the team. That's a franchise record. And going back to those stats, talking about stats, I mean, that might be one of the most telling stats of the season. And consider what Brett Brown and the coaches have had to do on the fly, let alone all the expectations, just bringing in new players, getting them used to the system, uh, making them a part of the Sixers culture. So you really had three main iterations of the team. Remember, we had Dario Saric, Robert Covington, and Markel Fultz as starters. J.J. Reddick coming off the bench. Remember that about 10 or 15 years ago? It seems like it was that long ago. Right. And then, of course, the November acquisition of Jimmy Butler, which was a huge game changer. That totally changed the the look and, and, and the paradigm here in terms of what kind of team we were going to be. And then Elton Brand going out and getting Tobias Harris, a guy who is worthy of being an all star. Uh, Boban Marjanovic, a very good backup center. And Mike Scott, who's already won a game for us, we saw that the other night in Brooklyn. So um, to to see all this taking place literally at light speed, if you compare it to the process years, was really fascinating for me. And I think Brett and his coaches have done an unbelievable job at getting these guys together. Remember, you don't practice anymore in the NBA, or you rarely do. It's all about rest and recovery in getting them just through shoot-arounds and and games and that sort of thing. And remember, guys are missing games left and right. Joel Embiid missed 14 of the last 24. He's your main guy. Somehow got them on the same page. And I really do think now that the playoffs were very valuable from that aspect of, of getting this team to gel and getting roles to be more defined. So... Um, thank goodness the Sixers were able to do that over five games, and I think that'll make them that much more ready for the Toronto Raptors in the second round. It really is, you would think about buying time for this group, reps, chemistry, regardless of the setting, in games, shoot-arounds. 
the modest practices they hold, the more time together, you would presume, given the talent, the stronger they're going to become. I, I try to think of ways, and I'm not sure if there's any way to do this other than bringing the average fan along like, and literally say, hey, spend 24 to 48 hours with an NBA team. For people out there to really understand the point that you made, that there is no practice time. I mean, literally, you have to go two days in between games to even think about having a chance to get in the gym. So going back to Brett and the staff, yeah, to bring these talents in here, to bring some of the personalities in here, and that's not to say great, good, bad, and different. There's just new people coming in in the thick of battle, and you're trying to get to the NBA Finals. Just going back to what you said, at the start of the year, the way the roster was, the goal never changed. It was still, Brett came out the first media availability training camp. It was like, our goal is to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. And here they are now on the path. And I want to circle back to kind of where we started with some of that talk about my, my stat sheets. Mm-hmm. Do you take anything from the regular season series that the Sixers played against the Raptors? Are there certain themes that you think could carry over from the regular season of the playoffs, regardless of what the personnel was? I always think there are some things, but I don't give the regular season much credence. First of all, the Sixers never played the Raptors with the current iteration. Their last game, I think, came right before the trade with the Clippers, and you're also adding James Ennis and Jonathan Simmons in separate deals as well. So this is a totally different team. I know what's out there. They're 0-13 against Kawhi Leonard. They've lost their last 13 in Toronto. I know all that stuff exists. I think that they'll be forced to think about it because the media will bring it up and say, hey, what do you you think about the fact that you're 0-13 against Kawhi Leonard or you've you've lost the last 13 in Toronto? And by the way, you've got to win at least one game in Toronto to win the series since they have home court. Um, I think once the ball is is up, uh, players are not going to be thinking of that. I would like to think that the Sixers certainly match up a lot better and give Toronto a lot more worries with the club as it's currently constituted. But I think this game, I think this series has gone seven games. I just think that uh, Toronto is really good. I think the teams match up well with one another. They each have three-point shooting. They each have uh, big men who can play. They each have defensive versatility. I am really looking forward to this, and I think it's going to be – uh, when all said and done, a terrific playoff series with a lot of drama. 76ers, going back to a familiar refrain, they have now played, correct me if I'm wrong, 13 games? 14 games with the starting five intact, and they've won all but three. And in the first round, this all depends on how teams match up. Sixers starting unit, they outscored the Nets by 75, I think in just 49 minutes the starting group out there and then the only starting group in the first round that had a better plus minus rating was that from the rafters there's talent all around i think there was something to take from that first round right as far as the team whether it was going through the adversity of hard-fought games what happened in game four in the third quarter it does feel like there's a different aura about the team now right there has to be i think that roles became more well-defined and rotations set so Ben Simmons just continued to be Ben Simmons, although in the one game that Joel Embiid was missing, he showed himself and everybody else that he could score like crazy, and he had 31 points. Uh, J.J. Redick, after the slow start, figured out not only how to get his shots on his end, but also defending, and I think he really helped to, to keep the three, best three-point shooter in the NBA, Joe Harris, in check. By the way, let me get back to Ben for a second. The Sixers, I think, discovered... Speaking of Ben and scoring, 
that he could be used as a screener. And when he's used as a screener, that can make him that much more viable on the offensive end. Um, Joel Embiid, just be healthy. Because we see when he is healthy, his production per minute, I'm not sure anybody else in the NBA can measure up. So he gets astronomical numbers 20 to 25 minutes when he had the 31 minutes he was he was virtually unstoppable during that time Tobias Harris showed that he can play and score playing with Joel Embiid because for the longest time his numbers with Joel on the floor versus without Joel on the floor he was much better without him and now I think they've shown that they can play together and Jimmy Butler last but not least I think has defined himself as a glue guy And I'll go back to game one, whatever he had. I think it was 36, a playoff career high. And the one thing he said was, I'm bummed that I didn't have one assist. So, and then in subsequent games, six assists, seven assists, playing backup point, doing that kind of thing and and defending as he normally does. So I think roles were, were much better defined. I think Ben Simmons showed that he could really defend, even though D'Angelo Russell got his uh, points per game, took him a lot of shots to get there and he was, virtually nullified in game five so uh, and and speaking of defense I think they they got themselves a defensive identity particularly in the first half of that first quarter I think it's the best defense over a six minute span I've seen all year Uh, the Brooklyn Nets were flummoxed they couldn't do anything right and I think a lot of that had to do with the Sixers on the defensive end in that stretch it was insane and I think at least for me and we can all take this for what it's worth. I don't know if it matters what I think. But throughout the year, regardless of what iteration of the Sixers it was, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, the defense had some ups and downs over the course of the regular season. And I don't think it was any secret that for them to get to where they want to go, that had to tighten up. And to me, that was one of the biggest takeaways from that first-round series was that they saw what happened, they took the punch game one, and they just continually tightened things up, really from the second half of game two onwards. And in the second half of that game, too, I think the Sixers for a half put on pretty much a defensive clinic. Uh, Ben Simmons, I think, had a lot to do with that. And I go back to him only because I think that your point guard, say the guy who's guarding the rim, Joel Embiid, let's say he's the second most important guy, just in terms of ball pressure, which I think is an important aspect. That initial ball pressure, sometimes picking up a guy three-quarter court can do a lot to take a team out of its offensive rhythm. J.J. Redick, who I know a lot of times people will say, well, you know, coaches will will pick on him in order to, um, you know, try to exploit him. I think he solidified himself on the defensive end. Tobias Harris showed that he could switch out and guard smaller players off the dribble. I think he did a really good job of that, especially when he was faced with uh, the likes of Spencer Dinwiddie. And then, um, you know, Jimmy already uh, has that reputation of being a good defender. And Joel Embiid, the Sixers' defensive numbers with versus without him are just – I don't know if it's on any of those sheets you got in front of you there, but somewhere on somebody's sheet is the fact that the Sixers are literally one of the better defensive teams in the league with him versus when he is off the floor. It's astronomical. It really is. Have you – and I I feel like I've I've been asking this question to a handful of people the last few weeks just because I'm curious because – um, you know, we've spoken to people who have had a range of experiences covering the NBA. Um, have you seen anything like um, the situation with Joel where on such limited rest, in particular for him and limited practice time, he's able to do what he does, as you said, just the amount of production he's able to squeeze out of every single minute is pretty incredible. It just goes to show you his ability to dominate and the 
vast array of tools he has. So I'm already thinking ahead now to the Toronto series and how he has to play for the Sixers to be successful. And I'm thinking that one of the things that I think made him successful in the Brooklyn series was um, limiting his three-point attempts, uh, limiting himself and not taking too many risks on drives where he can be turnover prone. That said, he's a lot like uh, Nikola Jokic of Denver where he can get the ball around the lane and almost be a point center and create for other guys or certainly create for himself. I think he's gotten to the point now where he is so good at identifying the double team that he almost invites it, much the way Charles Barkley used to do back in the day. Yeah, come on, double me so I can you know, hit one of the shooters or somebody coming down the lane. Um, he is just – and again, it always goes back to the fact that he, he p- first picked up a basketball when he was 14 years old. The fact that he is doing what he is doing – the fact that he's doing it with uh, a sore left knee, the fact that he has done it with very little of any practice time and and I don't know how long, Um, it's a testament to him. I'm looking forward to whatever the Sixers end up doing this year, uh, Joel getting in condition, taking care of his knee in whatever form or fashion he has to do that, and and coming back and be ready to try to play, um, you know, 70 games if he can. And I and, and I hearken back to the news conference that Elton Brand and Josh Harris had, Elton, of course, being the GM and Josh being the managing general partner, where Elton said, yes, in retrospect, maybe we could have managed Joel differently, where he would have had to sit out 14 of the last 24 games. So uh, maybe that'll be part of the Sixers' plans as well over the summer heading into next year. Up first, the Toronto Raptors. Kawhi Leonard, what does it take? We know the personnel's different, but... The impact he had against the Sixers in the three games he played was uh, noteworthy. I am yet to speak with the coaches to see how they're going to go about Kawhi Leonard. but um, And I don't know where you would assess LeBron James at this point of his career or, for that matter, Kevin Durant. But um, to me, in my eyes, Kawhi Leonard is in the conversation with those guys. I think he is that good. Uh, He will get to any spot on the floor he desires – He sees the floor beautifully. He's got uh, a tremendous uh, variety of offense, and he can be a lockdown defender. He's got abnormally long arms and big hands. He is just, if you were to say to yourself, if you were to cook a player up in the lab, 6'7 guy who could guard just about anybody and could do anything on the floor, it's Kawhi Leonard. So naturally, as you start the game plan, he's at the top of the list. What will the Sixers do? I think the Sixers, unlike the previous iteration of the team, have a number of guys that they could throw at him, whether it's Ben Simmons, whether it's Jimmy Butler, who may very well be the primary guy to start out on him. And then you bring James Ennis and, to some extent, Jonathan Simmons off the bench, if for any reason, just to get in his shirt and, and you know foul him a couple of times. So um, I'd like to think we're better equipped, but Kawhi Leonard is going to get his. So as we say in cliche land in the NBA, you can't deny Kawhi Leonard. You just have to try to figure out a way to slow him up. Right. I think that's something that was the talking point over the last couple of days with the Sixers is make it difficult, make it hard. I know a lot of people on the outside have zeroed in on Ben Simmons versus Kawhi Leonard. It's like raising a child. It will take a village. (laughs) I would like to believe. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So – you know, people say, 
Jimmy Butler, it's up to him. No, it's not up to Jimmy right. Butler. Not to mention the fact that once you're in a scramble mode, once he's able to get by his guy, then it becomes a team thing, and you hope that people rotate to the right spots and do whatever they need to do to, to make it all happen. But, yeah, it's a village both individually and collectively against that guy, no question. It's like cut down the turnovers, limit transitions. Yeah. That would be a – that's a collective thing, not just a, a one individual thing. Um, were you surprised uh, just before the trade deadline passed that Marcus Saul ended up on the Toronto Raptors? I was from the standpoint. And now let me rephrase. Yeah, or ahead. that they were willing to part with Jonas Valanciunas, well, who right. I thought was pretty impactful against Joel in the Sixers. So I think that's where I, I'm, I was going to go to the same place. Uh, I think what you get with Marc Gasol, and I don't, I don't watch Toronto every day. I'm going to assume that Gasol, a former Defensive Player of the Year, is better in that role than a, a guy like Valanciunas, who, remember now, is coming off the bench. So you have to think that if he was as valuable as he's perceived to be in some quarters, that he would have been a starter playing you know, 30 minutes a game. Uh, but Gasol, a guy who also has a, a voluminous amount of playoff experience. He's played on Memphis teams that I, I think one of the teams may have actually gone as far as the conference finals. I have to look it up. But he's an all-star. He's been around. He's a defensive player. And remember, too, that while Valanciunas played a lot of bully ball and had his way on Embiid, uh, perhaps even more valuable is Gasol's ability to step out and shoot a three. And when you have that situation where Embiid has to come out, now you've really put a crimp in the Sixers' defense. And that's something that I think the – you know, the, the Sixer coaches are going to have to figure out because the one thing they want is they want to beat in the paint as much as possible. Guarding the rim and Gasol, whether it's stepping out and shooting the three or his ability from the high post to set guys up. I mean, he's a terrific passer as well. Uh, it's something the Sixer coaches are going to have to rectify and deal with. Just because you've been across the league so many times over the years, this whole idea of the 76ers can't win in Toronto. They've also had some pretty darn good teams during this drought of wins up there is it more atmosphere is it more running into a difficult opponent in terms of the Raptors timeline uh you know I don't know if I could paint with a broad brush since when you figure 13 straight losses how many different players have worn the Sixer uniform through those 13 straight losses maybe with some combination of yes Toronto's always had a good team during that stretch who knows how many of those were schedule losses? You know, second of a back-to-back. You got to go through customs. You know, and and that's actually a real thing. It's it, it's a first-world problem, but it's a real and, thing, and, well, <laughs> right? And you know that the ride from the airport is a long one. Yeah. So typically, in a, in a back-to-back, you're not in bed till two thirty, three o'clock at the very least. Um, so there there could be some of those factors. The, the again, the thing that I will go back to, Brian, is this iteration of the team has not played there yet. And this is a whole different ball of wax now because both teams will be synced in terms of their schedules. So both will have the same amount of rest. Both will have, uh, you know, the same intervals between games. The Sixers now have had some time to get it together. They'll have a couple of practices. They'll have a shoot-around before game one. You know, I feel pretty confident. That's why I said seven games. In order for it to go seven games, um, I, I do foresee the Sixers winning a game. I don't know which one. But one of the games in Toronto, I think that's definitely going to happen. Love it. Mark Zumoff ain't going anywhere. You can see him and his bright, shining face and aura and personality in that bright, shining, brand-new studio that NBC Sports Philadelphia has. That'll be pretty cool. It's a beautiful studio, 
and it gives Coach Lynham and Mark Jackson, two people who play the game, I never played the game in any serious form, certainly like they did, and it gives them an opportunity to literally stand on the set and show, hey, you got to defend the pick and roll this way, or you got to defend Kawhi Leonard this way. We're going to need you out there. I think there well, has to be a place and you know for you. What? All, all I, I'm just one of those dummy guys who stands <laughs> off to the side, you know, as the shooter after they double-team Kawhi Leonard, that kind of thing. Believe me, I'm going to have nothing to do with that. And you know what? Hanging around those guys, it's a learning experience for me because, you know, they played and I didn't. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm happy to be there just – yeah, okay, Coach. I hear okay, Mark. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's a learning experience for me, too. A man with a great podcast spending some time on a modestly listened to podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sue. Anytime. Always good to have some Mark Zumoff in your life any time of year, any round of the postseason. And awesome to hear that he is going to be part of NBC Sports Philadelphia's postseason coverage moving forward. So much stuff on TV online the rundown pregame live before each and every game postgame live as well sixers outsiders serena winners as mark said is going to be around the team day in day out you've got paul hudrick online with the web coverage danny pomels and paul doing their podcasts so be sure to check out all that stuff consume as much nbc sports philadelphia postseason content as you can because they're going to be pumping it out as the sixers make their way into round two All right, thanks to T.J. McConnell, Mark Zumoff for being a part of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be talking to you next with a Rewind edition of Game 1 following Saturday's matchup. Look for it later that night or first thing Sunday morning. And more stuff coming your way from Toronto as Round 2 gets underway. See you. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.